Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is Nursing Uncensored. I'm your host, Adrienne Benning, and I invite you to listen in on conversations I've had with real nurses about the crazy and wonderful lives we lead. This podcast is meant to create laughter in addition to serious discussion, and nothing is off limits. We're always honest, but we're not always safe for work. Please listen responsibly. Welcome to Nursing Uncensored. It's Adrienne here today again with our friend Margot. Hi, Margot. How's it going? Good. How are you, Adrienne? Good. So uh, for those of you who have just started listening to Nursing Uncensored, Margot has been on the show before with us. So welcome back. We're going to talk about more of the same. Last time you were on the show, we talked about precepting students for the first time as nurses. You and I are both within our first five years of nursing and we took on a couple students. We each took a student this semester and and then... (laughs) (laughs) We talked about it. You know, we were like all excited. We had all these like expectations. Yeah, it was all of our, this is what we're looking like forward to. This is how we're planning to teach and be approachable. Yeah. And then, uh, and then life happens. <laughs> and then we found ourselves, I mean, even though we make light, it's very serious. We found ourselves in the middle of a global pandemic. So even though we laugh, we recognize this is a, this is, this is a big life altering deal here. It is. And it's also altering nursing lives in countless mm-hmm. ways. And we're just going to talk about one of those ways. We're going to kind of continue the conversation we started, talk a little more about precepting nursing students in emergency conditions, basically. Yeah. I was going to say, should we kind of start off with like how everything impacted just the yeah. way we were able to do stuff with our students? Absolutely. Um, so I know... Uh, Both of us, our students had their hours cut. Initially, I was supposed to work um, 225 hours with my student. Um, And uh, that ended up getting cut to 180 hours. So really, up until her spring break, everything was going kind of exactly as I had hoped. I kept giving her more and more of the reins. She was doing more and more of like everything, (laughs) everything. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was over her spring break that everything at our hospital kind of like went, okay, this is major and serious. And actually she was supposed to do an international public health practicum. She was supposed to go out of the country for her public health practicum over her spring break. And that got canceled. Um, Dang. Yeah. She was really bummed. So and at spring break, we were like, we knew that the rest of the semester would not, was not going to pan out the way the first half had. And it was just a matter of, well, how is it going to pan out differently? So the hours being cut, she was going to have six shifts after she got back from her public health practicum. That ended up getting cut to 
three. It ended up she had three left, which my ideal was for her to have, you know, those six shifts to really run everything herself. I was going to completely be like tight lipped and she was going to run the day. She was going to do every single bit of communication with everyone in our team. At least I think I did a good job of giving her those opportunities just with you know, the two patients of the four that she was primary on. And then it, w- it got really hard because we, you know, we have on our floor, for anyone who doesn't know, it is a respiratory and palliative combination unit. We take some very compromised patients. That includes our lung transplants and our CF population. And when she came back, the groups that we were assigned, we would have a lung transplant assigned in my group. and. Uh, the way our transplant team wanted to work it, only the the nurse assigned to that patient and, and the NA were really supposed, and the respiratory therapists were supposed to go in. They weren't supposed to really be out of their rooms. They, we, they didn't even want them walking the halls at that point. And there was the other thing. I know that we kind of talked about this whole idea of um, our, you know, when we're with our, uh, last time, when we're with our students, we never want our patients to feel unsafe. They know that obviously that our students are students and that they're learning, but we are there to be that safeguard, you know, to prevent any harm from reaching our patient. But I remember feeling when things at the hospital started getting crazy and I had my student with me, I was all of a sudden like, oh, wow, I am also, I'm responsible for keeping her safe. Mm -hmm. And there were a couple of times that I was like, am I able to do that right now? which kind of freaked me out more than the thought of me going, you know, being exposed to it myself. I'm like, am I putting this little student who I'm in charge of at risk? Right. Because we recognize that students may not, depending on how much experience they've had and how comfortable they are, there are those, there are those circumstances where maybe they, you know, haven't, haven't learned how to discern when maybe they should step back and not be involved. Um, And I know that students are eager. They want to help with everything. And it's really hard not only to protect your student, but also to give them the actual experience that they need and not to just have them like kind of hanging out at the nurse's station while you take care of all your patients. But it's true. Like we can't have them going into, you know, the rooms of patients that are immunocompromised just because we don't want lots and lots of people going in and out of that room, like you said. Mm -hmm. It's also a matter of preserving PPE. So it's also like, you know, do we really want to be gowning up for or using masks for things that, you know, because at the time we weren't being, we had shields. Well, no, initially we didn't have shields. Now we have the face shields that we wear. Initially we didn't. We were just wearing like surgical masks basically. So then, yeah, it's like making sure that your student has access to a mask and one that fits. And um, I, I also had her for a couple of shifts where it was before we had the face shields. And I was luckily after we got the face shields, there was, I always, you know, I was able to get one for her. But there were a couple of like her last couple of shifts before she went on for spring break. They had put like a PPE is strictly for patients under investigation and for COVID positive patients. And, you know, we're going into patients with different respiratory issues, different influenzas and different respiratory viruses that we have. Um, Like we had like a C. diff patient and like... No PPE. 
Yeah. And that's really scary to think that like while you're trying to protect yourselves and your patients from like this big, scary virus, there's other stuff out there that we need that we're already needing to protect ourselves and our our patients and um, other Mm -hmm. people from. So that is really stressful when you're like, what do you mean I shouldn't wear a gown when I go in to clean up C. diff poop? What do you mean? Like as nurses, we're like, what? No. Uh-uh. See, yeah. really? Come on. And every hospital is kind of handling it differently. And we're also getting mm-hmm. like basically daily updates on what the PPE yeah. should be. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's like making sure that when our students come in, that they know what they're supposed to be wearing, that they know how to put it on and take it off. There's there's so many other components that, that go into yeah. it. So yeah. And keeping your students safe is a big deal. I also want to stop them from doing anything that's going to get them in trouble with admin, managers, their clinical instructors. Like I know that the school that my student is with said that they're not allowed to be on the unit if there are any COVID positive patients. That was just our, our, you know, that school's policy. So at the time I was preparing to go into training in the ICU. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, if she comes back to do clinical hours while I'm training in the ICU, I have to send her home because I won't know I'm going to the ICU till I get there. And the staffing assignment has been like staffing right. board has been figured mm-hmm. out. So I had to tell her like, hey, this is going to potentially suck. But like all the hours that you need to get in, like there may be days when you come in and you're fully dressed and ready to go and, ready to go. Hard, and I have to send you home and we have to find a different day that works and you're already sucky schedule. So there's all this extra stuff. And this is, hasn't even touched on just teaching a student how to be a nurse. Yeah. Like this, ha- we haven't even like gotten close to that yet. So let's, let's step away just for a minute. We can come back to it, but let's step away from the COVID pandemic talk for a second and talk about some of the things that you were doing with your student to teach like the actual nursing part. Because we kind of talked about what our plans were. You said that you were having her kind of run the show and like, how were you doing that? Because when you start off as a student, you start ideally with like one, maybe two patients, depending on the student. And then by the time that student finishes at the end of the semester, we want them ideally to be able to take on a reasonable newbie level patient assignment, which on our unit is ideally three up to four patients. And with our acuity, that can mean trach to vent, that can be frequent IV medications, that can mean confused, poopy, you know, trying to get out of bed patient. That's a whole big thing. Plus our our students are learning like palliative care in addition to like the respiratory med surge stuff. So what are some what are some things you were doing to like encourage her to do more and juggle more and take on more? Yeah. So I mean obviously we started just with getting our toes wet, like her first two shifts were like back to back. She was strictly follow, like my, like basically like kind of shadowing. I was doing like, a, you know, we did an, a quick orientation to the unit. She kind of got to see how I ran my day, kind of got to get a taste for what the palate and what the respiratory looked like. And then after that, we moved into, okay, we're t- kind of taking things on together but you're doing all the physical stuff. You are taking med, like you're giving meds, you're hanging meds, you're prepping IV tubing. You are physically turning up the oxygen or troubleshooting the vent with me there, whatever the, that particular shift came to. And then I was like, okay, like when I felt that she 
was getting a better grasp on like our floor specifically, I was like, okay, you are going to be this patient's nurse. Like you're going to do all the communication with the doctors. You're going to do like game plan the day with PT and the NAs and whatever. And when I felt like she had a good grasp on how to coordinate one day, I was like, okay, these are our four patients. Who are you going to take, you know, let's like take two now. And when we would have, especially if we had like a group of four, the east side of our unit, which is our palate, where our palliative beds are, um, that often looks like we would have two palliative patients and two respiratory patients. And I'm like, okay, pick of the two palliative, who do you want? And then maybe, maybe this person is our easier respiratory patient. So you can take them and then we'll kind of walk through everything else. And obviously she was with me for everything we were doing for the other patient too. Right. And just, right. And gradually more and more like, okay, you're ready to take on three of the patients or, you know, just gradually moving up until ideally she would have had the last six shifts where she was taking the entire load. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a nice way to ease in because we can't expect that they're just going to come in and hit the ground running. I wasn't able to as a student and I have Mm -hmm. clinical experience already. So it's nice to have that, like you said, dipping your toes in, getting your toes wet. I intended to do that. That was going to be my plan. Um, We ended up doing it a little bit different. We ended up like, instead of saying, this is your primary patient, because initially I tried to do that. And then we had patients that like, we had one that was incredibly ill and needed a ton of intervention and was almost a rapid response. And we had another who was like super grouchy and I didn't think was ideal to put my student in a situation where she's going to get like chewed out or like treated badly. So I was like, well, he's not ideal. And we had a third patient. It was like completely nonverbal, you know, had had enough comorbidities that communicating with this patient was nearly impossible. And I was like, cool. So am I going to have her do the assessment on the person who's potentially going to code no not really am I going to give her the person who's going to like scream at her every time she wakes him up Mm. or how about the third patient that has like absolutely no ability to communicate with the student whatsoever that was the patient you know that ended up being the situation so then instead of being like okay this is your patient you're doing everything for this patient I said let's do some task oriented I'm of course I'm like I said you're with your student for everything that's happening anyway but after the we did a first night that was like a shadow orientation, show and tell, um, play with, you know, we have a lot of like dummy trachs and Mm -hmm. oxygen tubing and all that stuff. So the first night it was basically just like show and tell, where's everything at? And then after that and realizing that our assignment wasn't ideal for her to run Mm -hmm. with a patient, I did like, okay, you're going to do all of the medications. And then we focused more on talking about medications, talking about what to do if you don't know what a medication is. So then it became all about meds that night. And then the next night we focused really hard on like assessments. um, And then throwing meds in on top of that. So like each time we were like adding another layer, but really she was doing it for like all three patients. But I would say like your assessment will be just on one patient, then two patients, then, you know, so we stair-stepped with like Mm -hmm. doing and charting assessments in addition to everything else, but we very much started just like task-based. So that's kind of interesting that we ended up having like slightly different approaches. Mine wasn't intentional. It just happened that way because of the nature of the assignments that we were getting. Yeah. 
And then the other thing I wanted to say about that is that partway through, I noticed that she was kind of, you know, like when the training wheels are less and less touching the ground and really they're, they seem Mm -hmm. like they're just kind of, they're doing it and you're there coaching, but you're like, I'm going to kind of step back a little. And then I told her, I was like, okay, here's the thing from here on out. If you need something, if you need to get into the locked, you know, AccuDose machine to get a narcotic or something that I have to do because she doesn't have access, I'm not going to just automatically do it. You have to recognize and tell me you can delegate to me. If there's not an NA present, I still want you to get used to delegating. So if you need a glass of ice water for your patient, you can ask me to get it, but you have to do these things. I'm not just going to do them. I want you to notice. And she started doing that. She started being like, hey, can you go get me one of these? Or would you, you know, whatever. And it was nice to see her start to put the pieces together of not just like meds, assessment, charting, meds, you know, like not just that, but then being like, oh, well, this is something that I can delegate so I can focus on this and putting that kind of like critical thinking piece into it. So with my student, the downside was is that she right at the start of all of the like worry and the screening and they're you know, screening people at the doors, like, do you have cough? Do you have fever? Do you have, you know, sore throat? And on one night, she came down with a pretty nasty sounding cough. And I was like, nope, sorry, like messenger, instructor, whoever. And then spring break happened. And then everything kind of went crazy. And right now her hours are like suspended, essentially. So we just had like, we just started to get into a rhythm and then Mm -hmm. everything kind of derailed. So one of the things that she did say that I think is important to note when we're talking about how all these clinical hours are kind of like stutter stepped and uh, like cut short and like modified and essentially hours of training lost. But my student was saying that... How do I say this? Uh, She was talking about how having more consecutive and condensed shifts was helping her remember how to do things. Because of course, if you set up like IV tubing once and then you don't do it for two weeks, you're not going to have that that muscle memory created. Whereas if you work like two or three shifts in a week, you're like, oh yeah, I did this like three times yesterday. I can do this again today. But she was struggling, which I struggled with this at first too. Our IV pumps communicate with our charting system and our medication record, which is beautiful. Epic does that. So not all hospitals have that. Even all hospitals that have Epic don't have that, where we can basically like scan the patient, scan the medication, scan the pump, and the pump and the EMAR communicates that we can record when it was given, how much fluid was given, you know, all of these details just Mm -hmm. automatically shoot to the computer. And she was having a hard time remembering which order to scan everything in. But then when she had several shifts in a row, she was like, oh, I'm not having trouble with it now. So now I feel I'm like, dang, like it's been weeks since I've seen her. And, you know, I worry about what that's going to do to confidence and um, skill level, you know, when she actually graduates and and gets out of school. There's so much uncertainty for our students right now, you know, Mm -hmm. and there's so much uncertainty for us. It's like, how do I impart onto a student, uh, you know, the the hope and the wisdom and the perseverance to like not be like, I change my mind. I'm going to go be an engineering student now. (laughs) 
I don't know. What do you think? What do you think is um, in the, in the cards for our students? Like, have you heard anything about the school? And I mean, did she get did she get her hours finished? Your student? We yes. Did so you we say got. That? Maybe I missed it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah. So I don't know. I think they ended up just waving. So I kind of talked. So my student is from the same program that I went to and her hours, we kind of talked about what the clinicals looked like for my program in our last episode. For our last semester, it's 225 of your senior internship, which is what she was doing with me. And that got cut to 180 hours of clinical exposure. And then a 90 hour public health practicum, which I think some of her cohort, they got some of those hours in, but then obviously hers was an international, like she was supposed to leave the country. So I think they just forgave whatever, like whatever else those students had left from the public health, which I mean, you would think this is an incredible time to get public health in. Exactly. But But also the risk, the risk of travel and, you know, just being exposed to that. Yeah. But I know, and I also mentioned this in our last podcast, our floor also takes second semester students during their medical surgical nursing rotation. Um, And the way it's split up is they half of the semester, there's a group of four and half of the semester, there's a different group of four. And they are with one of our coworkers. And then when they're not on our floor, they are doing a geriatric rotation out in the world in local nursing homes and and everything like that. Um, So I know the... For the second half of their semester, the students who were with us for the medical surgical rotation, they didn't get to go in and do their JARA rotation at local nursing homes because of everything happening and those that being at-risk population. And I don't know because our coworker doesn't do geriatrics. I don't know how if they did like an... Some kind of online module or... Yeah. But I know for the med search students during that second half, they did um, online clinical hours where they would do all the prep that they would have been doing before they came onto our floor to take a patient. But instead of coming onto our floor, they would get into a Zoom call and they would go over the pathophysiology of different respiratory diseases. And then I... I don't know anyone who was in a, a pediatric or psych rotation, so I don't know what those looked like for the students at my yeah, same at my university. Same. But definitely a necessary evil. We need to be minimizing the number of people in and out of our institution. It's a hit to those students' education. Yeah. So I think about what it, what it would have been like to have like essentially like forty five fewer hours. Forty five mm-hmm. hours. On a nursing unit, a lot of shit happened. 45 hours, victories won, lives lost, crazy shit goes down. That's essentially like, that's just under four shifts. And I think about the last four shifts I worked and how many things I witnessed and had to do. It's a lot of experience. And so Mm -hmm. that's that's no small, small loss. Now, is it impossible to be a good nurse without that? No, but... I mean, uh, you know, and I'm sure that, you know, every program, like the directors of these different, and it's not, not just nursing programs. I'm sure it's also respiratory uh-huh. therapy programs, oh, it's yeah. medical, like medical schools. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, having to find this balance of keeping, keeping the patients and their students safe while also giving their... Say goodbye 
your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply students as much exposure um, and as much hands-on learning time to prepare them. Because in school, when you have a preceptor right there with you to walk you through a procedure or how to do something, that is the time to be making mistakes. You don't, you know, so. You don't want the first time that you're doing this to be, you've got no, you've got nobody to help you. Well, I shouldn't say that you're never completely, completely alone, but you do have a huge safety net and having an instructor mm-hmm. there to walk you through it and to show you different ways of doing things and explaining why all of that is so important. Um, and also many of us, like, like I am a very kinesthetic learner. You can explain something to me a hundred times, but until I put my hands on it and do it, I'm not really going to internalize it and remember how to do it. That's why with art line stuff, learning in ICU, like learning how to like mm-hmm. level and do it. Your, yeah. Um, during that shift where I was training, I did it a couple times and I was like, easy, I can do this. And then I floated to uh, the surgical ICU like two nights ago and I was like, like, I don't even remember what I'm supposed to do first. Like, I mm-hmm. feel stupid. Yeah. And not because I'm stupid. It's because I had done it twice. We don't, like, yeah, right? we, we don't do it regularly. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same with like um, PCAs with the patient, patient controlled analgesia. Oh my God, I cannot talk today. <laughs> Uh, with the pain button pumps that we have for patients, when I first started learning how to use those, I did not think I would ever remember, okay, wait, I, do I scan? What do I push? Then? And now I'm just like, boop, 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 Second boop, nature. Yeah, like I don't even, I mean, of course I'm thinking about it, but just like my hands know what to do. So mm-hmm. I don't have that panic of like, oh God, am I supposed to scan this? Like I'm like, you know, unlock it, do this. Yeah. Um, and so students that are like hands-on learners like that, the online modules are, are great, I'm sure, to talk about all of that. But I want to do stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's that's a huge hit. And I think we need to remember that as we're taking on new or orienting new grad nurses. This time mm-hmm. is more important than ever to not be eating our young because our young are coming in. They're still 
marching on ahead to come in and be nurses alongside us. So we need to make sure that we're teaching them and not just like giving them shit for all the things they don't know how to do because they lost out on basically like the whole last half of a semester of their education. And and moving forward, who knows how long this will last and like yeah. the classes, the cohorts that are still entering nursing school and um, what losses they're going to suffer in terms of experience. And um, even just as simple as like during my clinicals, I got to go, I got to go into interventional radiology and watch them put an IVC filter in. And I got to like watch you know, bedside procedures. I got to watch an um, an IJ line put in. Are students going to get to do this if we're still like operating under pandemic, like only necessary staff in the room, right. only necessary staff in PPE? This could be a problem for who knows how long. That's That's a sad thought for lots of reasons. Mm-hmm. And the continuation of like clinical sites that have to restrict how many people can walk through their doors. Infections spread like wildfire in nursing homes. So you know that even first semester students that are doing those like long-term care clinical rotations, like it's going to be very different for them. You know, it could also lead to some positive things like some uh, innovation and in how we learn online and what kind of things we do. Yeah. And I have no doubt that programs will fight for everything that they that their students need and i have no doubt that even if you're missing you know the however many hours from your practicum mm-hmm. um you know we've got some smart cookies our way for we'll, sure we'll have their backs and uh absolutely they'll, they'll impress us very excited for and you know it's a it's a good it's a good reminder also that when you do have clinical hours and you do get to be on site make the most out of that you know we've talked about it before this is your opportunity to see and do and experience with a nice uh safe nurse standing next mm-hmm. to you ready to um to coach you and as instructors we need to stay active and stay engaged you know i mean honestly even with like our cross training that we did, I was like, I mean, these poor, poor, poor ICU nurses who I got paired <laughs> up trying with. to teach us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, cause I, I, you know, I was asking them, okay, show me the policy for why you do this. And I, you know, asking all these questions, trying to take in as much as I could, because, you know, there's nothing like having someone who does it there to be with you when you're doing it for the yeah, first time. Then. For sure. But it uh, definitely I, made me yeah. feel like a student again. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But it also, it made me appreciate that I get to do that now for, for students. Yeah. And, and to know what's helpful and what's not helpful, you know, and to be able to identify that. And I even at one point with my student, I even said, I want you to tell me if there's anything that's not helpful because, um, you know, I want you to get the most out of this and I want you to learn the way you learn best. She gave me good feedback. She really liked certain things. So I made sure to con- continue to include those things. But it- it's got to be a constant engaged process. Like I will be yeah. an engaged instructor, but I need to be getting that back from a student. Like if I have a student that's like not asking questions and they seem like they're dozing off, I'm just kind of like, it doesn't feel as good as a student who's like engaged and totally into what we're doing and wants to know more. Um, So I I try to be that student. But yeah, I felt the same way in the ICU. I was like, how about this? How about in 
instead of me asking you 8,000 questions, I'll look up all these policies in my downtime. (laughs) And then I'll just ask you questions for anything that I can't find, you know? And actually, I bought on Etsy, I'm holding up you guys that are listening can't see this, but I'm holding up a ray of hot pink flashcards. I actually bought a set of flashcards from um, a nurse on Etsy. It's a critical care quick reference on IV drips. So it's literally like nursing school style, the drug name on one side and on the other side, it's got like all of the most important information about the drug. I'm basically studying again. I'm like laying on my couch mm-hmm. watching TV and I'm like, hmm, I should probably read about Nicole. Hard to pee. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, I, as a student, I think we never get away from that. And yeah, it's interesting to now play both the role of student and teacher. And I think that's kind of a permanent situation for nurses. Like you're all oh, yeah. going to be doing And that's like, I mean, this is very much like the whole situation we're in right now has been a very like extreme measure of it. But yeah, like <laughs> oh, yeah. one of my, my favorite things about nursing is like every shift regardless of if I, you know, I'm back the next day and it's the same group that I had yesterday, I'm learning something new every single shift. Oh yeah. And you can have the same patient group for like five shifts in a row and every shift could be totally different. You can have one night that's like totally chill. Everybody sleeps, everybody's pain's under control. And then the next night you're like, everything is on fire and I just (laughs) want to go home. And I had a few nights like that. There was one night that I had this group and it was such a busy group and they were on opposite ends of the unit. So I was just running, ping-ponging back and forth all night long. And I was like, please, I never ask, will you please separate this group? I never beg for this. Just like, do me a solid. So they split up the group. They gave me a patient that had been totally chill the night before in place of one of the heavier, more critical patients. And wouldn't you freaking know it, <laughs> then that patient had a terrible <laughs> night and had like a whole bunch of blood pressure issues. And I was like, why? And then the patient that I gave up was like chill and like slept and had decreased Mm -hmm. oxygen requirements. So you literally have no idea. So most of the time when I come into work, even if I had like a crazy night the night before, if I can help it, I want my group back because at least I know what kind of crazy I'm getting into. Mm -hmm. I don't want to like change it up and then be like, oh, this is a whole different set of crises that we're having tonight. So, but that's what's beautiful about nursing is that like same group, same tasks, totally different experience. So I think that once this pandemic is over, I mean, who knows when this is going to be over. It's going to be interesting to see what things we've learned, what kind of like innovation and both on the educational front and like the clinical front, like Mm -hmm. things that are changing so rapidly right now and kind of what it's forcing us to figure out is important. And we're also finding creative ways. Like I know our um, management and leadership has found some really interesting ways to keep our spirits up like the other night. And they're including night shift as well, which like I got to give, I got to give major shout out to our leadership. Um, They're awesome. Night shift often gets left out of everything in other places. And the other night, right at like, it was like, I don't know, 7, 7.30, 7.45, something like that. And one of our nursing assistant rolls up with 
an entire cart full of piping hot Olive Garden. And it, it was it was awesome. I'm not usually a chain restaurant fan, but when you're working a busy shift, there's just there's not much nicer than sitting down to a bowl of like spaghetti with like hot bolognese sauce. I'm sorry. I there's- saw I saw all the takeout bags. Uh, yeah, it was a lot. I was like, and it's one thing when you like, get like Domino's, and it's like oh, cool. It's, pizza it's like six. And, it's like six thirty in the morning, and I'm like, ooh, you know what sounds good right now? Chicken Alfredo. Yeah, and honestly, <laughs> there was so much left over, and we were really conscious of like I waited um, and watched till every. There were only two of us on the west side, so I was like monitoring like the 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 temperature of the food. So once everything had like cooled off um, and wasn't like super hot. Anymore, I put it all in the fridge. I was like, we have enough food. Like nobody needs mm. to like bring lunch. And it was all mm. individually packaged, individual like silverware wrapped up. So it was all it was a potluck without everybody mm-hmm. having to like cross contaminate each other's anything. food. Yeah. So that was great. And then um there was a scavenger hunt where we had to uh I was actually I accidentally <laughs> stepped Found into one. the scavenger hunt because it was right at shift change and our manager yeah. was going around like setting up this little scavenger hunt and I picked up this piece of paper that had like a little coronavirus virus like, on yeah. it and I was like oh this is weird this looks like a corona and I opened it up and it like said something inside mm. and I was like oh I don't know somebody probably left that there so I just tossed yeah. it back down on the counter and walked away and then I found oh. from our Facebook group that it was like yeah. get bring your corona and claim your yeah. prize and I was like she, oh. yeah so there were like 10 viruses and she sent out a group chat being like Oh no, you guys, bad news. I heard from epidemiology. We have 10 confirmed cases of corona. Oh my God, on the I would have peed my pants if I heard that on a she's like, morning is starting. Yeah, find um find the virus and uh let's get our unit clean or let's keep our unit clean. And it was okay, really cute. That's, so, that's really cute. And on the inside of each of the pieces of paper, they're like folded in half. It was either like a candy bar or I think there were a couple like potted plants, a couple like a couple of candles. And so whatever virus you found, you've got to keep that prize. Nice. That's cool. Um, mm-hmm. We also have like on the wall by the um, entrance to the unit, we have like um, a big sign that was made that says like Happy Nurses Week. And then we could like, take pictures. and It's like a, basically like a photo booth wall. Yeah. Um, and last which, year we had a little contest. Mm-hmm. Um, and Which also- as... Adrian and I are recording this. It is currently National Nurses Week. It's happening Week, so right now. Happy National Nurses Week, Yes, everybody. this this will come out later, but let's like it'll be a, like a repeat mm-hmm. celebration. It's like National Nurses mm-hmm. Year. Hello, yeah. um, it is. Yeah. It's the year of the nurse. It is. It's the year of the nurse. <laughs> um, but it's just it's nice that these you know these silly little things and these fun things are a nice way to keep every day from just feeling mm-hmm. stressful. Yeah. And, it's and it's it's a way for us as a unit to come together. You yeah. Know, while keeping our distance because at our hospital currently we're practicing social distancing. So mm-hmm. we have these heavy face masks. We're not supposed to, we're supposed to, we're like not hanging out, take out our one computer. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so we can't, you know, we we're trying to avoid the sitting and chit chatting with one another as much as we can. So it's hard. We're not all packing into the report room. Mm -hmm. Only a certain number of people can be in the locker room at once. Like we really are making solid efforts and it's been working. Like we've, you know, 
we've not it's, had um, the outbreaks that other places have seen. So that's good. But mm-hmm. it's weird because it's like a lot of people on our unit, we all kind of like each other. Yeah, we're friendly, it, when, we're chatty. And it sucks when you feel like you have to like yell just to be able to give a report. Like how do you mm-hmm. have a conversation when you're like covered in like many layers between you? There's essentially four layers between you and the person you're talking to. You're each wearing a mask and you're each wearing a shield. Plus like there's all the noise. And it's impossible to hear around everything. I feel like I'm shouting a report. Well, and then the shield, it's basically like a curved sheet of plastic in front of your face. So I feel like when people are talking, they talk louder so you can hear them. But then it like almost like bounces off and goes behind them. So like I was talking to someone and people behind me were like, what? Oh, she's not talking. (laughs) Or like... um, Not gonna lie. I've done a couple double takes thinking people were saying things to me and... They were talking to someone else. (laughs) Or like, I feel terrible because I genuinely think that from all the years of like me standing at like really loud rock shows, like right next to speakers without proper ear protection, I do have some hearing loss, I believe. That's not diagnosed, but I, I have some, I have some hearing issues. So when I have a nurse that's like, in a mask and a shield and they're a mumbler and they're like (laughs) and you're like what and then I feel bad because I'm like what what I'm sorry I can't what did you say and they're like repeating themselves like four or five times I'm like shit this sucks but it's what we have to do because I also don't want that person that's shouting at me to like spit in my eye accidentally yeah so that's the price we have to pay like we make light of it but we take it very seriously we do Mm -hmm. so uh students if you're listening to this take heart uh nursing is a challenge and we always have some crazy shit happening maybe not this crazy this is pretty pretty insane but this is a team sport so as you're coming out into the into the nursing world you're not alone and you know like we've talked about before find the people that are the kinds of nurses you want to be and watch their examples example, learn from them, ask them questions. Take opportunities to get every clinical moment you can at this point because we don't know what's going to happen and those hours really are important. Although some students I'm sure are like, yes, don't have to do those last six shifts. I know there's that. I know that nursing school is crazy. And honestly, if you had said to me in the middle of like fourth, I had five semesters. So if you had said to me in the middle of like fourth or fifth semester, sorry, we're cutting your hours. I would have been like, woohoo, yes, this is the best. But really, when it comes to your education, you, you got to get that. You got to get that shit done. Mm-hmm. All right. What else, Margo? What else do we want to talk about? You got anything Mm, else up your sleeve? I was going to say, I feel like we kind of got away from (laughs) the students. We totally did. That's why I wanted to get Um, back. There's so much going on now. Yeah. I'm trying to think about my last shift with my student. I felt bad. I wanted to get do something cute. There's a book that I read between the end of my clinicals and when I sat for boards that just... You know, it made me think and it made me laugh. And I felt, you know, it really got me like excited to sit for boards and like start this career. It's called, um, Oh Shit, I Almost Killed You. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. So good. I loved it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and I wanted, so I wanted to get my student a copy of that book because I'd kind of mentioned it and she seemed, or, you know, I mentioned it and I felt bad because, obviously, you know, I couldn't go out and get a copy, but we ended what I ended up doing was we went around and asked uh, everyone who was on with me that day to give her some advice, which everyone gave her really great advice, made me feel good. And then, oh, and another thing that I did that I feel like was really important was I was at that very last shift, I was like, okay, what, you know, advice do you have for me moving on with like, for when I take my next student, which we made a couple points that I'm like excited to take into the nice. next student that I have with me, because this is, a you know, learning to be a teacher is as much of a, you know, learning curve as it is for our students who are learning how to be nurses. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, that's a so, really good point. And I I'm really and and like I miss her. I miss having my student with me. I miss being yeah, like I was into oh, it too. This will be a great learning opportunity for her. Um, yeah, like at one point when I was like being insecure and I was like, tell me if I'm talking too much or like, tell me if this doesn't help you learn. And she was like, actually, no, this is awesome. And I've been bragging to my classmates that I have a really cool preceptor and that I have been riding so high on that. So if she's <laughs> listening. I don't know that she is. I don't think I told, maybe I told her about the, I don't know, but um, that made me feel really good and it made me want to teach more and it made me want to show her more stuff. There was one night we literally just did, this is the blah 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 machine and here's the vein finder it was just like all it was it was genuinely enjoyable to be like welcome to this world of like all this crazy stuff that we do here's how to get a heparin shot without making it hurt and i knew going into it i i knew or i knew going into it i would want to take students for like the rest of time yeah And And I already signed up for one. I don't know if we'll actually have any as we progress into this. Yes, I'll do it again. Absolutely. Give me another one. I can't, I can't wait to to have my next, my next senior internship student. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah. And I also, it made me want to take another new nurse too, like an actual like licensed new hire employee. I I can't wait to do that too. And it's cool. And then when you start to see like the people that you trained, like training other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's a good feeling. It's a legacy thing, you know? It is. And it's also really cool when you see someone doing something and then you're like, hey, did so-and-so teach you to do that? And they're like, yeah, that's who I learned it from. So that's that's really cool. Yeah. We're all teachers and we need to claim that and like really make the most of that. Cool. Well, we've covered a lot. Yeah, we did. <laughs> and I've almost finished my coffee. So that's perfect timing. Beautiful. Well, I'm sure this will not be the last encounter we have on this podcast. Um, You're welcome back anytime. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, of course, of course. And uh, I look forward to talking to you again in the future about what other teaching opportunities we get. Yeah. All right. So let's wrap this up. If you are listening, you probably already know that you can go to nursinguncensored.com and you can find episodes, the blog, the vlog merchandise. I now, even though this is an audio only episode, I've started doing some video episodes as well. So head over to the YouTube channel if you're interested in that. You can find me all over the web. God, I hate doing that. I hate self-promotion, but I want everybody to know about all this stuff. So that's all. And then we will see you next time. Happy nursing, Margo. Happy nursing, Adrian. Here at Nursing Uncensored, we may be 
well, uncensored, but we're not unfiltered. Protected health information has been changed and concealed to comply with HIPAA. The things we talk about are from years of experience with thousands of patients, things we've read, stories we've heard. If you think we're talking about you, we're definitely not. Also, we're real nurses here to provide helpful and accurate information, but don't take anything we say as fact without doing your own research. Refer to your state's Board of Nursing, Practice Acts, and your institution's policies and procedures if you have questions about your practice. Lastly, our very strong opinions are ours alone and do not reflect those of our employers, educational, or professional institutions. Thanks for listening, and happy nursing, folks. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.